Does the way you talk and the words that you choose to use make you sound insecure, inexperienced, and immature? I know you know the words matter, but we got some research that shows you need to stop using these words in the world of work. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in your life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Excited to have you with us today. All right, so we're going to we're gonna dive deep into some data uh, about the words we use because I, I, I will tell you, this really helped me. I was going through this going, oh my gosh. And these are blind spots. Words that we use that can really harm us, hold us back. And now here's the good news. When you, when you learn this and you go, okay, now I'm going to take some self-inventory. I'm going to get some accountability in my life and go, hey, do I use these words? How much do I use these words? And what can I do about it? So let's just look uh, at the data. A 2017 study um, that was done uh, by uh, uh, HR execs. The researchers were diving into how people can subtly or accidentally undersell themselves. Now, let's just pause for a moment. One of the biggest frustrations that we have heard on this show for years is from callers who say, you know what, I feel like I'm being overlooked at work. I'm being passed over. And there's nothing more frustrating and, quite frankly, it can be flat-out discouraging to feel like I've seen coworkers that are getting promoted, but I'm not getting promoted. Here's another frustrating call we get on this show. Ken, I've been up for several interviews. I get into the process. I get far along and nothing. I don't get any feedback. I'm not getting chosen. Why? And I would suggest if you are one of those two people and you're feeling that frustration right now, there could be some evidence here in the the content today to go, wait a second, I'm actually undercutting myself. And now this is good news because when we're aware and remove those blind spots, now we have some opportunity for breakthrough. So let's look at this study. Okay, this is, again, a, a, a lot of HR execs were polled on this. They gave a lot of input on this, and this is fascinating. So we're going to roll through this, okay? By the way, if you're listening via podcast and you can take notes, this is probably an episode where I'm taking some notes. Using you language to talk about yourself or your experience instead of I or we was very common among low performers in the office. What does that mean? Using things like you should pick up the phone and call the customer or you do this or you do that, as opposed to I and we language. So even when talking about yourself, not using the word you, but using the word we. So I'll give you an example of how of how I catch myself uh, doing this the right way on social media posts. So for instance, and I, I think I've got an example here. I'm going to go to my phone here. We're going to go real time uh, to my Instagram page, at Ken Coleman, by the way, if you want to follow. And uh, I was putting up a post, I, I think it was yesterday's post. Yeah, just a quick note, okay? Um, uh, no, it wasn't yesterday's post. Sorry, let me, let, me, let me look. Two days ago. Okay, great. So here's what, I, here's what I posted. Breakthrough happens when we do whatever it takes and wait as long as it takes. I was say, so we, I used we there instead of you. Now, I will tell you when I first wrote it, I had the word you in there. And I'm just sitting there on my phone, and it didn't feel right. And so I'm sitting there reading it as I was typing it up with the thumbs, and I got the dad thumbs. It's always a disaster, me trying to do anything on Instagram. But I remember reading it for the first time going, wait a second, I'm the same way. This this post applies to me. I can tell you how many times in my life that I stayed long enough for an opportunity to happen, and I wanted to leave. 
I wanted to jet because I was frustrated. So if I would have said breakthrough happens when you do whatever it takes and wait as long as it takes, the person who's reading that may not receive it as well as if I say breakthrough happens when we. So I include me in this. So I'm not I'm not teaching at you today. I'm hoping that I'm teaching with you today because I'm in the same boat. And by the way, you're going to see this. So that's what I mean by, and that's what they mean in the research about you language. Try to remove you from sentences. Now, the converse is if we use I and we, it implies ownership. Ownership. Hey, we as a team, we're not operating at a high level. It's a great little nugget for leaders. Some of you in management positions. If you're sitting down talking with somebody, if you go, you aren't operating, but you say we, now they're less defensive and they're more likely to receive some insight. You're sharing personal experience when you're saying I and we. And of course, you're taking credit for the good and the bad. Now, here's another one. Don't use negative words like can't, frustrated, couldn't, or aggravated. These are some common words used by low performers, according to HR execs. And they want you focusing on positive emotions here in this study. So you don't want to say, you can't, or I can't. You can't say, you can't ask people to make that leap on their own. The flip side would be, I was excited or honored to help people see that they can make the leap. So when you're constantly using negative emotions about yourself and your work, here's what's happening. You feel like you're just being honest and sharing your thoughts, but what's coming across is that you can't exhibit self-control or that you're helpless. So just in expressing something from a negative standpoint, and by the way, it's okay to feel that frustration, but you've got to catch yourself Because you don't want to come across as someone who has no self-control. You don't want to come across as someone who feels hopeless. Because here's the deal. When your coworkers and your leaders begin to experience you as someone who has no self-control or feels hopeless, they tend to give up hope for you as well. Here's another from the survey. Don't use absolutes like always and absolutely or 100%. These were common phrases used by low performers. I always do this, or it's absolutely this. Now, let me tell you something. I've been married 25 years, and the biggest mistakes I have made in my words with Stacy have been in moments where I have used absolutes. So I'm just going to pull this into a personal situation here, and this is painful to recall. Dudes out there, if you've done this, it's time to own this stuff, and now I've gotten pretty good at it. But in moments of weakness, I may say something to Stacy like, Every time I do this, you do this. Wait, 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 wait. You always... Here's what happens. When you say things like that, never, always, absolutely, here's what happens. The person you're trying to communicate no longer can receive anything after that moment because their brain immediately goes to defense, It's immediate. They begin to go, wait, 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 wait. They know that's not true. So you've lost them. Here you are trying to communicate your heart, communicate a frustration, and all they heard is, oh, really? Always? Never? Every time? And you've lost them. 
So the communication immediately hits the door. It's done. It's it's over. Because the narratives now, they're trying to disprove what you've just said. Here's another one. Be careful with adverbs like very, really, and quickly. Why? Because it paints a picture of insecurity or arrogance. And you don't want to do that. Well, I'm very or really quick. You got to be careful because these words, again, just like that always and never word, what does it do? It puts people on the defensive. So what is the solution to actually get these words out of your vocabulary and potentially lift some limits in your life? We'll talk about it next. Welcome back to the show that helps you win in your work life so you're winning in other areas of your life. It's the Ken Coleman Show. So grateful for you being here. If you're watching via YouTube, would you continue to help us grow by liking the video that you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and then sharing the video to someone that you believe it could encourage. Same thing on the podcast. If you're listening via your favorite uh, podcast app, follow us, give us a five-star review, and share. We would be grateful for that. Okay, so we talked about some of the words that many of us, we're talking millions and millions of people, use these words in the workplace, and you end up hurting yourself, giving a, giving the wrong impression, and that becomes now a brand. Because remember this, when, when, when we use words improperly, and they put off the wrong impression, and we continue to do that, and we're talking about habits, watch what happens. All of a sudden, you develop a brand internally based on being misunderstood so it's really important so we walk through those quick review instead of using you language use i and we so that you feel like you're part of the team and you begin to make connections be careful about negative words like can't couldn't be careful about absolutes like never and always be careful about those extra adverbs very really it could make us look insecure and braggy and so as we review those now what do we do all right so we start with how do we change this so we've got to start with continued awareness now i just gave you some awareness on just some examples of those words and so what you got to do is go you know what i need to be mindful of this and i would journal on this i would write this stuff down i would be mindful in conversations catch yourself saying this stuff uh, this is the brain is a magical computer if we just let the brain do its thing, here's what we know about focus. We know this from psychology studies, that what we focus on is what we see. Let me give you an example. How many of you remember the last time you bought a car or a purchase that was significant? All right? You can remember. And the car example is the one that everybody remembers so much. And you remember the day of or the day after or the next several days? You remember seeing your car everywhere and probably commenting to your loved ones, Oh, there's our car. There's our car. I saw our car again. Did the car ferry just drop your car in on the road? No. Here's what we know from studies. That because a purchase like a car is such a significant purchase, there's tremendous focus on that, that the brain goes, oh, this is what we're focusing on, and it's called the reticular activating system. It's in our brain, and it's the filter. It's the camera of the brain. And so what we focus on is what the brain goes, oh, I'm going to go take pictures and find more evidence of what we're focusing on. 
And so thus you see the blue Jeep everywhere for about a week or two. It's pretty wild, isn't it? It's true. Now, this is also true when we focus on negative emotions. I feel like I'm a victim. The world's against me. Guess what? Did you just hear the way that clerk talked to me? I, all I was trying to do was buy my groceries, and she was just so rude to me. Blah, 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 blah. And, and then we begin to see it everywhere. And the clerk probably wasn't rude to you at all. You're just looking for it. Your brain is going, I need evidence that the world is against me. And so I give that illustration to say the brain is powerful. So if we focus on words like this study shares that hurt us in the workplace and hurt us probably in our personal life, we don't even mean to say it the way we say it. We don't mean to come across that way, but these words are taken this way. Oh, wait a second. I want to be careful of these words. I want to pull these words out of my vocabulary. So I'm going to focus on not saying these words. And here's what will happen. As you engage in conversation, watch this. The brain will immediately go check 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 don't say that so we want to continue to build the awareness next be present in your conversations be present correct yourself it's pretty easy to do boy this is a big relational win guys and this is big in the office let's say that you realize that you use a lot of the nevers and the absolutes or maybe you're doing a little bit of the oh and i by the way i'm guilty of this one I'm an over-exaggerator. Over-exaggerator. Hey, Ken, how'd your hit on Fox News go? Oh, oh, it was really, really great. I could see myself saying that. But here's the deal. That's not good. Because someone could take that as, oh, you you, you thought you, you thought you were that special, didn't you? Oh, you, you think you're really great. Now, maybe I meant that in a moment of insecurity. Maybe I was just being a little too loose with my words and I put one really and then another really in front of each other. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, he thinks he is a big deal. I have to be mindful of this stuff too. We all do. I don't want to come across that way. I could have just said, eh, it went well. Thank you for asking. Do you see the difference here? So we've got to be present. Now, I say all that to say that being present in conversations, when you start to do that, correct yourself. Like cut yourself off. It was real. You know, it, it went well. And what happens is you begin to self-edit and it's not awkward. It's not going to be terribly painful, but your brain will continue to help you. And in the moment, you just watch little words that you say. And then the way you're interacting with people and your personal brand and opportunities and everything else that comes with it will take care of itself. Start being disciplined. Be disciplined to go, what are the right words to use? How should I engage with this? Now, this is, I'm stepping all over my toes right now. I, I, I'm speaking to me right now. And because as I looked at this, I thought, you know, this, what do we do with this data? And so I, I the last three, the, the first two things I just said, uh, keep building the awareness, be present in the conversations. And now this, be disciplined start disciplining yourself. This is actually me. I wrote these things out for me. Certainly you want to correct yourself. Apologize. You know, I, I don't mean to say it that way. Let me say it this way. Now, here's the deal. People will notice that in the sense of they'll see an awareness and they'll see the discipline to correct yourself. And let me tell you what that does. That actually builds trust with people. 
It is a form of transparency. As a speaker, one of the things I've had to learn is that my default mode is to come up with three points and be very, very, this is, I'm going to teach you this, and this is why you need to know it. But one of the things I've had to learn over time is, is that those points, no matter how good they might very be, they might be, they will not hit with people if I'm not connecting with people first. So as a public communicator, the challenge is, how do I connect to the audience? And it's easier for some than it is for others. But you've got to connect. And, and, and any speech coach will tell you that, anybody that, you know, you got to find a way to be vulnerable and connect. Well, in our regular speech, if we correct ourselves in front of people, and I don't mean walking around with an apology to her, I mean in the moment, being disciplined to go, you know what, I, I don't like the way that sounds. Let me say it this way. And I've done that recently. And, and the reaction that I'm getting in the room is people go, okay, he's caught himself. He sees how that sounded, and he corrected it. And let me tell you this, without saying anything else, you're not going to go, oh, I'm so sorry I said this, and I didn't mean it. I'm working on myself. You don't have to get into that. But people will take you at face value, and, and they know what's going on. And let me tell you what it does. Just as a public communicator is looking for ways to connect to the audience through vulnerability, you will connect with people in the office through that vulnerability to just correct yourself. Now, they're not going to sit around and think about it the way we're talking about it. But in the moment, they will just notice it. And then over time, this really starts to pay off. How? You start to see the rewards of how people react to you. They react to you differently. Now, I'm going to give you a little, little hack here that I think will help people do this. Now, I've done this at the office, and, and I do this quite a bit. So I have a brand leader who's who's who, who watch anything, everything I say. Uh, I'm sitting right here looking at an incredibly professional team that can, behind the glass, and, and they're producing, they're editing, they're doing all these things. Uh, I have publicists that I work with, all the personalities work with publicists, so we can do hits and they look at stuff. So I'll say to them, I want you to count how many times I've said this, because I've got little crutch words, and everybody has crutch words that they use, and they're not necessarily negative. They're just what I think are lazy, and it would be like filler, and it's not necessary. So I'll say sometimes, I go, I want to know how many times I said this, and there's a penalty for this. These are little fun hacks. You can begin to do this with people in the office that you're close with, and trust them, go, hey, in the next meeting, I want you to watch out for me saying this, 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 and they just hold you accountable. That's an extra little fun thing to where you feel safe, you don't feel attacked, because you're the one that came up with the idea. I think this will really help you pull out the negative words and move forward in your presentation. You were created to fill a unique role in your work. That means you're needed, and it means that you must do it. In other words, somebody out there needs you to show up in the workplace and be the best version of you. This is where income and impact can and should come together. I want you making more income. I want you making more impact. And I spent three years working on a tool that gives you the clarity you need to confidently step forward in the professional direction that you were created to follow, and the income and the impact will show up. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. It measures three elements of every human being. What you do well, that's your talent. Work you enjoy doing, that's passion. And results that matter deeply to you, that's mission. So when I use what I do best to do what I love to produce results that matter to me, watch, I'm on purpose. 
and the meaning is there, and the money will follow. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. So 15-minute assessment. You can buy it at kencoleman.com slash assessment. kencoleman.com slash assessments helped literally hundreds of thousands of people get the clarity they need to confidently move forward. Let's go to Judy for a coaching call out in Oakland, California. Judy, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. Thanks for the opportunity to pick your brain here. You bet, Judy. What's up? I'm 57, and I'm trying to get back into the workforce. I've been recently working as a certified nursing assistant, but it is really physically demanding on my body. And I was thinking about studying cybersecurity, but it's not showing up on my results in the get clear assessment. Oh, well, let me jump in. Let me jump in on that. So you're talking about the section of the assessment that's called professional possibilities. And these are just idea starters. They are in no way legitimate suggestions. Any assessment that spits out you're perfect for this job is bad science and it's crap. So that was a section that we just put in there to kind of give you some ideas. But I want to Mm -hmm. look at your actual assessment results. I want you to Mm -hmm. read them to me very slowly. Let's start Mm -hmm. with talent, the three top talents that the report Mm -hmm. gave you. What were they? Connection, compassion, communication. Interesting. Okay, and... Let's talk about the types of work that you love. The top three were? Um, work that I love. Passion. Oh, passion. Yeah. Passion is service. Nope. That's your missional result. Oh. You should have top, well, that- th- top three in talent and then just uh-huh. one top result in mission, which oh, is oh, service. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah. It's advocating. Uh-huh. Protecting. Okay. Caregiving. Interesting. Okay. Now, the reason I want you to, 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 to go over these results with me, and I want the audience to hear this, is, is you're going, I really want to do cybersecurity. How do I know that cybersecurity is a good direction for me? Correct? That's really right. the heart of your question. Right. So we go to the assessment results. And the assessment mm-hmm. results, our purpose statement, which, by the way, takes the top three talents, the top three passions, Mm -hmm. and the primary missional motivator, and it puts it in a sentence, and it becomes a job description. Mm -hmm. So let's read yours to the audience. You were created to use your top talents of connection, compassion, and communication to perform Mm -hmm. the work of advocating, protecting, and caregiving to provide service. I'm shortening up the sentence for everybody. All right? right. So you look at cybersecurity, and you go, all right, does a cybersecurity position allow you to use the talents of connection, compassion, and communication. Absolutely. It absolutely does. How? Tell us how. Because you're connecting um, communication, basically. You're you absolutely connecting people's are. communication and preventing bad things from happening. That's exactly right. And and but by the way, there are no wrong answers to any job title. Unless, in fact, you have zero talent to be able to pull off the position. But cybersecurity training, if you go to Bethel Tech, which I highly recommend you talk to my friends at Bethel Tech, and you're going to mm-hmm. get a discount as a Ken Coleman Show listener. But mm-hmm. listen, you, they're going to train you on the skill set of cybersecurity. But what you will bring to it is your ability to connect with people well because you're a good communicator. And you're going to have a heart for people. You're going to bring mm-hmm. an extra layer of protection to people. Now let's go over to the work you love, advocating. Mm-hmm. Advocating. That's big for you. By the way, 
advocates right. have to use connection and communication, don't they? Right. You can't advocate for somebody without connecting to a cause, connecting to the person, and communicating to them what they need to do and why, right? Right. Absolutely. Now, so then we look at protecting and caregiving. I think you can make the case that somebody that wants to be in cybersecurity needs to care deeply about the work and love doing the work of protecting and caring for others, correct? Yeah. And then it's all about service for you. Mm-hmm. For you, you're motivated by seeing people go, ah, oh, you protected me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you protected my company. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a huge deal. Yeah. So, the question, Judy, back to you mm-hmm. is, is cybersecurity, based on your purpose statement, your unique mm-hmm. wiring, is mm-hmm. cybersecurity a purposeful fit for you? Yes or no? It could be. It could be. I love your answer, by the way, because mm-hmm. it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. As long as anything you pursue mm-hmm. matches up with that purpose statement that we just mm-hmm. walked through, and that exercise that I walked through with you is so important for you and others that have their their uh, assessment results, because the assessment will never spit out a very clear job to, uh, a job or a mm-hmm. path. It's it's going to allow you to see who you are, and now you go, wait a second, based on this job description, is this a fit for me? And so you take that purpose statement and you lay it over the job description, and that's where you get the confirmation. And so, so you don't I love think that I'm you said, old? "What's that?" You don't think I'm too old? I don't think you're too old. Okay. Because now let me let me address that. At 57, there will be some hiring managers who will discriminate against your age. I'm sad to okay. say. Yes. But not everybody. Mm-hmm. And I will also tell you that the way to overcome that is through personal connections. Okay. Hey, let me tell you about Judy. I've known Judy for 20 years. Judy's done this, this, and this. She's a great nurse, blah, 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 blah. And Judy recently got trained, and she got her certification from Bethel Tech to be in cybersecurity. And Judy's as good as they get. And somebody goes, are you kidding me? Can Judy work right now? Yeah. And Judy's a veteran. She's a great locker room fit because she's got great attitude, great maturity. And so it's all personal connections. And all of a sudden, nobody cares that you're 57. They care that you're a trained cybersecurity specialist. Oh, by Mm -hmm. the way, you're not a 27-year-old baby. You're a 57-year-old woe man, mature woe man who brings a lot to the table. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you've got to focus on what you bring to the table. You're not a kid. Mm -hmm. You're a seasoned adult who's got a lot of experience and a lot of skill. And so I think that's that's the position you're taking. Now, Mm -hmm. do you have friends that work in technology or even in cybersecurity? No. Okay, that's what I want you to uh, strive to do here. I want you, if you've got friends that know people in that business or in that side of things, I want you to make those connections. I'm going to give you a copy of my number one best-selling book, The Proximity Principle. Okay, The Proximity Principle says in order to do what Judy wants to do, she's got to be around the right people and in the right places. Mm -hmm. And what will take this intimidating climb and turn it into an exhilarating process is for you to use the proximity principle. You may not know mm-hmm. somebody in, in, in cybersecurity, but you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Mm-hmm. And so you okay. begin to make connections and they go, oh, well, we've got an opportunity to open up at our company. 
I'm going to get you in with a hiring manager. Opportunities will show up and knock on your door. Does that make sense? Yes. And it's very important at 57 because there is that voice in your head that says, it's too late for me. I may have missed the boat. And that couldn't be any further from the truth if you use the proximity principle and realize that when I'm around the right people, they introduce me to more right people. When I'm around right people, they put me in the right places where I meet more of the right people. And if I keep showing up and I consistently put myself around the right people and in the right places, opportunity shows up, knocks on the door, and when you open it up, it's a big bouquet of flowers and it says, we want you. Folks, that is not a fairy tale. That is not a pipe dream. That is discipline and the law of averages. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.